This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going with Chris Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a delayed night. So thank you for uh, to Rich and everybody for letting me push it back at night. Had a great time trick-or-treating with Little Miss Rosalie or Mary Bell, for those of you who uh, know the, the Disney princesses. So uh, thanks so much for that. And so let's get into it. Tuesday night edition. Happy November. Here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. NASCAR, Martinsville, Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs. How many black eyes by the end of Phoenix? We'll find out next week uh, because that kid, I think, has a couple coming as uh, he was the talk of the town, ruffling some feathers to get his win and punch his ticket to race for a championship. And then on Sunday, Ross Chastain stole the show, not because he won. Christopher Bell won the race, but nobody remembers that. Chastain queuing up NASCAR Cup Series 2005 on the GameCube. Goes into turn number three, puts it in fifth gear for the first time all season, puts the pedal to the metal, and hangs on. And every video I watch, it looks fake, but he rockets around the outside to turns three and four, gains five spots with icing on the cake, hits Denny Denny Hamlin right before the checkered flag, passes him to punch his ticket into the championship four. It'll be Bell, Logano, Elliott, and Chastain racing for a championship in Phoenix. Tony Stewart makes it into the final in his NHRA top alcohol dragster debut at the Nevada Nationals this weekend, only to lose to third-generation driver and college student Madison Payne by a mere two uh, ten-thousandths of a second. That is not a lot. (laughs) Not a lot. And then real quick on the dirt, Brandon Overton grabbed $30,000 in the National 100 at East Alabama Motor Speedway Saturday night. The win wasn't easy, though. It came after he led the first nine laps before going to the tail after cutting a tire. He drove back through the field, passed his brother, and went on to win $30,000. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way with a Nashville tan. Good afternoon or good evening, sir. Oh, my Lord. This is not even from Nashville, but you'll never hear about the past in the grass again, Zach. That's right. That that is nuts. Ross Chastain is my hero. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. What do I need to do? We need two spots. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't look. Usually, uh, usually not the answer you get back, you know. Set a new track record and set the fastest lap by almost two full seconds by never lifting going into three, eased it up into the wall, and just rocketed around that thing and gained five spots in the process. You need four spots, he says. Hold my beer. That's right. Now I got to ask you. The big discussion has been: Will NASCAR 
try to find a way to write something in the rule book where you can't do that. I, I'm going to give you my opinion. I don't want them to. Why, why should we punish Ross Chastain in the future for having a little ingenuity and a little uh, – I mean, that very easily – and he said this. That very easily could have not worked, just like it didn't work for Carl Edwards, just like it didn't work for Kyle Larson in the past. He could have caught the gate in turn four and torn that car to shreds, uh, but instead it bounced just right and he gained the spots. He tore that car to pieces doing it. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the right side of that car? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I I don't know how you legislate. You can't go fast. However, right. you find to go fast. Whose fault is that? Yeah. His because he was the first one to think of it. Right. Uh, I, I I no. You're not going to run that because he just he could afford in one the final corner to tear up a race car. Right. You're not going to do that for qualifying. Right. And you're and not going to do it in June early in the race. race. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a move for the moment at the end of a race. It was hit or miss, all or nothing, all your jelly beans in one bag. That's the way it was going to work out. And I go you, back to Kyle Larson. You know, he was one of the first ones to say, oh, it, it's a disgrace to our sport, and I hate that he did it, and how embarrassing. That mother trucker was, I mean, five feet from having it work at Darlington. He he did the same thing. He put it on the wall going into turn three, drove all the way up, hit Denny Hamlin. Hamlin held on to it and won. You think he would have said how embarrassing that was for the sport if he'd have won doing that? Heck no. No, I just thought it was cool the first when it when I uh with the first time I saw the video because I was traveling. Um I said, man, I wish they'd slow it down yeah. so I could see it. <laughs> and they said, no, this is not slow. It looked like he was, it almost looked like they sped up the video. Like Mario And Kart. they said, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. And that's how fast he was. And I was like, oh, my Lord. That was just, um, I, I got to say, that's the most unbelievable move I've ever seen in my life. Can, unbelievable. Hats off. Uh, Ross Chastain has been, to me, Ross Chastain has been the yes man of the new car he was a nobody who people kind of wanted to see in the Cup Series, had done some things in truck, had done some things in Xfinity, filled in a couple of times in, in the Cup Series and didn't really make a big splash. This, Ruffled a lot of feathers this season. But this new car you know? gave him an opportunity to show how he wants to drive a race car, and it didn't. It did include ruffling some feathers. But guess what, Rich? He's got a couple of wins, and who knows, by this time next week, he could be your Cup Series champion, so pretty cool. He, he could be, and I don't have a problem with whatever he does. He didn't run over anybody. Nobody was up where he was running. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, they're just mad that he just blew by them, you right. know, and, you know, two miles an hour faster than the field uh, on the last lap. So it yep. was just unbelievable. Well, you had a fun weekend where you were. I was uh, disappointed I couldn't make it. You know, it's all, it's funny. I'm up here, and I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. Richard's got it handled. No big deal. Then I'm, you know, sneaking looks at my phone at my events that I'm at up here this weekend going, man, I kind of wish I was in Nashville. Uh, you had a lot of fun this weekend down at the All-American 400. Yeah, I did. Uh, and before we get started, I got to thank a bunch of people, Zach. It was so cool. Um, I got to work with Racing America this weekend, Champion Racing Association. Um, that was that was a coordinating effort to be able to do all that at the same time. Uh, and then also work with Adam Mackey, Alan Dietz, Jim Trado. Uh, those guys are the best in the business. And, and I mean, they just, they just treated me, you know, as good as they would treat anybody else. I mean, like I'd been there forever and, um, 
you know, maybe I'll get a chance to work with them again, but we had a great time, great time down there. But uh, the big All-American 400 weekend was on tap at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway this weekend. And as big as the event is, it couldn't compete, Zach, with the finishes in the Super and Pro Late Model 300 and 100 features, respectively. Uh, all of Sunday's events were moved to Saturday due to the dismal forecast for Sunday, uh, and it didn't disappoint. The Super Late Model 300 lap event was first off, and during most of the race, the leaders would change drivers moving from mid-pack to the back to the front. Uh due to varying pitch strategies. But when the real action picked up inside five laps to go, following a restart, youngster William Sawalich, who has been winning everything uh, lately, uh, he, he didn't get up to speed on a restart when he was the leader, allowing Matt Craig, Austin Nason, and Cole Butcher to get by. As the leaders took the white flag a few laps later, Butcher made a bolt three-wide move inside of Nason with Craig on the high side. Butcher and Nason made contact, sending both into the wall hard with Nason getting airborne. If anybody saw that video, what a video of Austin Nason and that 14 machine getting getting up in the air uh, and in the process collecting the 24 of Sawalich. Officials determined Craig played a part in the incident, uh, dropping him to the tail of the lead lap. And Zach, I got to ask you, um, I know you've seen that video. Man, I, I know I've not seen a super late model, a template super late model, get up in the air like Austin Nason did. What did you think? Man, I, as soon as I saw that, um, and, and I'm going to add, we're going to have Kyle Crump on the show coming up in, in just a little bit. I'm going to ask his opinion. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I said, well, it's it's time to uh, start looking at some additional safety features for these race cars, half mile or bigger. Uh, I think we're going to have roof flaps. I think we're going to have, if not roof flaps, some sort of flap uh, because those cars have such big spoilers on the back of them. They get turned around on these racetracks, and it's just like what NASCAR dealt with all those years ago. Uh, you know, the wind is is getting pushed. Again, think about how a template car sits. They got a big spoiler on the top, a lot of room under the back end of those cars. It's a big parachute, Rich, and uh, I think now half mile or bigger, uh, these template sanctions, CRA, Southern Super Series, really now we're going to call it the Stars Tour uh, those people, cars, um, I think they're all going to need to get together, SRL, and, and say, hey, it might be time to look at some some um, keep four tires on the ground devices for these race cars. That's my opinion. And I, and I think what had a little bit to do with it, because I, I wasn't far from, from where it happened, you, you know there at Nashville Fairground Speedway, when you get down to the entrance to the pit area, it flattens out. And right. that's where Austin Nason went around. He had no banking to keep him buried into the track. He That's where he turned around, and that's where that thing lifted, almost right in front of the pit gate where you go down into the infield. That's where that thing caught its air. I think that I will say it was a perfect scenario, but I also will say had that car turned over, had he slid up and hit the wall upside down, I mean, we're talking about a completely different scenario at that point. So why wait for it to happen? Uh, I, I am hoping that there are some uh, people in bigger roles than I am in already looking at this because I, th I think we've talked about it. The aerodynamics in these cars are unreal. You've got some teams like Rackley War, right, that own truck series teams that maybe are sneaking a pro late model or a super late model into the wind tunnel every now and then. If you're going to start doing that, if they're going to be that sleek and that aero-sensitive, half mile or bigger, put flaps on them. Yeah, something had to be done. But, I know. I mean, it was we know Austin Nason was doing all right because – he didn't just hang around his race car and watch it get loaded. He went looking for somebody. So uh, he, he wasn't, he wasn't feeling too bad. I'm sure he was probably pretty sore the next day, but Zach, that left uh, 
following the uh, go on the last restart with a green white checker that left Stephen Nassie and Luke Fenhouse to battle for the green white checkered finish. Nassie took the high side. I didn't know if that was a smart move. Uh, and he held off Fenhouse on the high side to collect his second crown jewel in two weeks and his third consecutive winner win overall. Both races following up was his win in the Southern Super Series finale at Pensacola. Uh, Fenhouse would fail post-race inspection due to an unapproved ignition box, moving Gio Ruggiero into the runner-up spot with Kyle Crump, Casey Johnson, and Derek Thorne completing the top five. And uh, then, Zach, it was on to the Pro Late Model 100 event, and it looked like most of the race that it was Cole Williams' race to lose. But as we always say, that's why they run them all. Uh, once, once again, with the white flag in the air following a restart, Cole Williams had a mirror and door full of Jackson Boone. The pair raced off turn number two down the backstretch with Wolf Williams pulling slightly ahead. Uh, the two made contact. We don't know if Jackson Boone came down. Cole Williams went up a little bit early. It was inches. Uh, the result, Cole Williams hard into the turn three wall. Uh, Jackson Boone with some damage on the front end. He gets by. Buddy Kofoid barrels in. He becomes part of it. Uh, that creates a green-white checker again uh, for Jake Bowman and Chase Johnson to shoot it out uh, with Bowman taking the win. Dylan Fetcho, who, and I'll, I'll explain something, Dylan Fetcho, Benny Hamlet, and Daniel Bolden will complete the top five. But, Zach, last week I picked Hunter Wright, correct? Yes, you did. Hunter Wright could not have picked a worse night to have the worst car of his season. <laughs> oh, no. He started in the second row, and that thing just went backwards, 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 ah. backwards, backwards. So far backwards that Dylan Fetcho won the championship. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I played the odds, and I did not expect, you know, it, John Nix down there and I were talking, and, and he said he picked a heck of a night to have the worst car of 2022 underneath him yeah. because he couldn't do any. Ten laps in, he had no bite. No bite. He every every time coming up for sliding the tires, sliding the tires, and he just kept going backward. He was just in the way, and I think he pulled down on one of the last green white checkers just to hope, just to get off the racetrack. I think, and they told him he had to go back out and run two more laps. I think he was probably disappointed. Yeah, but uh, but man, what a rough night for for Hunter Wright. Wow. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about some other things going on. Uh, a great weekend for you down at the All American Four Hundred. It's already happening. 2023 schedules are being released in some indications. Um, and uh, th these guys are always one of the first to put out their schedule. It's the Must See Racing Sprint Car Series presented by Engine Pro. Their schedule has been released. And uh, MSR President Jim Hanks says, following an ongoing cooperative effort with other open wheel series, all of us at Engine Pro Must See Racing Series are excited to announce an early release of the 2023 MSR schedule of events. Importantly, it best fits the difficult race team travel challenges, enhances quality car count, and presents first-class racing entertainment for the fans at many of the finest, fan-friendly, and well-managed track facilities in the country. So what does it look like? Well, the schedule is a 12-race schedule with one TBA date on it so far. May 20th, they'll open things up at Berlin Raceway over in Marne, Michigan, and then Labor Day, or excuse me, Memorial Day weekend, May 26th through the 27th. Birch Run Speedway will be the home of the Musty Racing Sprint Cars. June 16th is the TBA date as of right now. And then 
the newly resurfaced Owasso Speedway. We'll welcome in the Musty Racing Sprint Cars and Rich. That could be one of the fastest shows that Owasso Speedway has seen in quite some time with that paving project being done. That'll be June 24th. July 4th weekend, Rockford Speedway in Rockford, Illinois has the Musty Racing Sprint Cars back to Bertrand Speedway on July 21st and Berlin Raceway July 22nd for a doubleheader weekend. Lorraine Raceway Park on August 19th, Bertrand Speedway August 26th, Owasso Speedway on September 2nd, and then the 2023 schedule wraps up with a doubleheader weekend at Meridian Speedway September 29th, or excuse me, September 22nd and the 23rd. So there you go. Musty Racing Sprint Car Series 2023 schedule ready to go. Everybody wants to go to Owasso Speedway, don't they? Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to go there for the first time next year. It's going to be great. That'll be fun. Uh, Zach, so I was down in Nashville, and while I was down there uh, on Saturday, they had a – or on Friday, actually, they had a meeting um, regarding the Stars National Series. Okay, that's a Bob Sargent Track Enterprises venture. Um and obviously we know about every, everybody's been wondering, well, wow, there's got to be something going on because track enterprises purchased champion racing association. Um, they take over the Arca Midwest tour, January 1st, 2023. And they got an operating agreement and working agreement with Tim Bryant down with the Southern super series. Right. So they got all the biggest series, regional series in, in the Midwest and in the South on board uh, with track enterprises and he announced the stars national series discussion. Now here's what they're looking at for 2023, a 10 race schedule. Uh, six of them are already committed. They already have six tracks locked in, but those were not announced yet. So uh, I, I believe they're probably going to be, have something at PRI and have a really nice situation where they're going to, going to release a lot of things, but all regional series will remain intact. So Nothing is going away. It's not replacing Champion Racing Association. Not, it's not replacing the Jake CRA All-Stars Tour or the Arca CRA Super Series or, this, or the CRA Sportsman or Street Stocks. All that stuff's going to be intact and remain. They'll probably have 10 to 15 race schedules uh, as well. And then increased purses for national championship events for the Stars National Series with a guaranteed $100,000 point fund. They're just trying to figure out how they want to break down the $100,000 point fund. Does the leader get 25 and they split the rest between everybody else? Or does, does the winner get 50 and they split the last 50 between everybody else? Um, but Zach, you can see some of the other notes here. Um, what have you heard? Because I, I mean, I think everybody went to this meeting, all the key players were there at, at this meeting, Donnie Wilson, uh, James Finch, uh, Bubba Pollard was there. All of them were very vocal uh, during this meeting. But uh, and and everybody, the big key was money and tires. Well, and uh, and they and they really don't have any answers, firm answers on how that's going to work out yet. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing, and and that's what we've been hearing through the season is you know whatever they can do to bring more money to late model racing and save more money in late model racing you know the the tire consumption with practice days and practice and practice and practice and practice and then qualifying and racing uh you know that's that's been a big problem for quite some time in, in template late model racing so what are they going to do about that um you know i don't know i haven't heard much more than what you heard uh you know down there in in the meeting um so you know i've been kind of looking they've got a website out they've got social media out um pretty quiet right now so 
Uh, I think that they're building excitement. They've got people, you know, they've got the hook. They got the line. Now they're just trying to, you know, bring them up to shore. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be great, but we need more details. Yeah, I think one of the cool things was um, the schedule. It was they committed for the schedule to take place only at tracks uh, that meet a promotional hospitality and activation standard. So what does that mean? Just because you want a race and you can pay for it doesn't mean you get it. It, they want this to be NASCAR style, World of Outlaws style. Uh, they want to have suites and they want to have the, you know, you have to be able to put people in the grandstands. You have to have a, an area for all the merchandising trailers to go. I mean, they want this set up top notch. This is not just go to a racetrack like, like we've seen uh, in the past and, and no merchandising trailers. They're, they want to do this World of Outlaws style, Lucas Oil style. Because that you know that that's the experience that Bob Sargent has is on the dirt, right? He he's been doing that for a long time, and he's only been out you know been around the pavement stuff for the last several years. So he's learning a lot, and he's really taken a lot of input from these key car owners, who are the ones that spend the money, who prepare these cars and send multiple tracks to these events. Uh, those are the ones that he needed to get to. Well. Then, if that's the case, bring on uh, the, the second weekend of December. Uh, give me PRI. Give me more details because I'm excited. I want to hear more. I want to learn more. And, uh, you know, I want. Uh, let's just make the obvious announcement. Uh, I want to be involved. I want to see some of this stuff from the inside, Rich. Uh, so, uh, it, it's pretty cool. Looking forward to it and um, can't wait for 2023 to get here. And Zach, our next guest might have an opinion on the uh, Stars National Series, but uh, we can get into a little bit of that. But uh, he had a pretty nice weekend down there at the All-American 400, brought his number 50 Crosstown Motorsports Machine home third, makes his home in Brighton, Michigan. Kyle Crump, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. Nice to be back on. Man, let, let's start off third place finish. Um, you had a little help with that in tech, but still a top five finish. With that field, you got it. You had to have felt pretty good. Yeah, I mean that was a really, really good result for me and the Crosstown team. We had uh, we showed speed all weekend. We were pretty good on the practice charts and all that. And uh, come race time and the uh, sun being out on the track and everything, kind of didn't leave the setup quite right. But uh, all the guys and JVD made great adjustments on all the stops and uh, definitely came to me as the set. Now, I, I, I want to ask you something. At the beginning of that race, you and Carson started right near each other. I think we're either in the same row or one row apart. Neither one of you may, at, at the beginning of that race in the first 50, 75 laps made a whole lot of track. Was that, was that a conscious effort to just get some laps in and make sure you have a car left for the end? Yeah, for a race like that, uh, definitely just kind of being cautious, making sure you're putting yourself in good spots. There's no need to end your day early. So, uh, yeah, just a little bit easy, but definitely would have rather been working towards the front rather than kind of maintaining where we were. But uh, that's kind of what we dealt with. I was pretty tight in the center and no drive when the sun was out. So kind of in the back of our heads, I had uh, JVD tell me when uh, the sun sets, it's kind of going to come to us. So it's kind of just a matter of maintaining and staying out of trouble at that point. You know, the weekend schedule went through a big change. Uh, everybody was watching the weather forecast, and everybody was worried about Sunday. And then, uh, you know, the officials made the decision 
Saturday's going to be the big day. Uh, your first time on track is going to be important with qualifying when Saturday rolls around. So really, uh, you had Friday to figure it out, and then Saturday you had to be spot on. How much did that change what you guys were able to do? I wouldn't say it changed too much. We went down and tested the week prior, and that's where we kind of dialed it in. We uh, had a, good, pretty, a pretty good baseline from Van Dorn, and then uh, Carson also went down and tested, so shared some notes there. But uh, as far as the whole Friday-Saturday deal went, I think that that was uh, a, a good thing that they did, and I think it we should uh, discuss as a whole if we should kind of move that show to <laughs> – a Friday, Saturday deal in general, just because, I mean, that saves everyone a ton of money. And then Sunday's a nice travel day to get back. You don't have to take Monday off work and stuff. So uh, definitely something to think about because I think it went over pretty well. But. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would not be opposed to that as a fan or as an employee <laughs> to be able to have Sunday to get home. Um, but, all right, so Saturday becomes kind of a long day, qualifying and then race trim. And you talked about that a little bit. Uh, the car was tight in the sunshine. So, uh, but it, it became very important. Were you guys nervous at all that you'd qualify in on time, or were you pretty confident in that in that part of the car at least? Yeah, we were actually really confident in our uh, just raw speed. So going into qualifying, I was I was really expecting or hoping for like a top five qualifying effort, if not better. But uh, we went out on track for a Q, and for some reason we we hit the track in three and four pretty good which we didn't hit all weekend, so it was really strange. So we were all kind of dejected after that. I think we qualified 12th or something. But uh, definitely wasn't indicative for where the car was for speed. So uh, it wasn't what we wanted, but it wasn't a terrible starting position by any means. So you work your way through the first half of the race. Uh, you keep yourself in contention, not, you know, like you said, just kind of hanging around, around that 10th spot. And then about the laps, last 100 laps, that thing is flying towards the front. Yeah. So with our qualifying effort, uh, we were like riding around 12th to 14th in the race and, uh, so hard to get track position. So, uh, Johnny made some calls and we took tires at different times than the, uh, leaders. So it kind of, it, it got us the track position. I think we we're up to like sixth or seventh after the pit cycled and all that. And that was about the same time the sunset after, uh, the red flag for the stack up and stuff for uh, someone missed a shift. But anyways, yeah, we, we lined up back like six, seven, sun was setting. And uh, man, that thing came alive. I, I believe I was fastest car on track for a little bit. I think I was sitting fourth and uh, uh, three leaders were in front of me and I was praying a caution would not come out. And we'd go the last like 70 or so green. Cause I feel like it really would have played into our hands a little more, but that wasn't the case. You mentioned the red flag and the stack up on the front stretch, and then you talk about the leaders. Obviously, there's that stack up, uh, you know, white flag lap going into turns one and two with the three cars out in front. How much of this race, All-American 400, uh, you know, 300 laps around Nashville Fairground Speedway, you make the decision to ride around 10th and 12th and then the decision to go. How much of this race is luck, man, just staying out of trouble? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a big portion in a lot of just the crown jewel races in general. They're they're so long and there's just so many variables that could take you out of contention or vice versa, you know, put you in some really good spots at the end where uh you might not have our our uh been all day. So, you know, it's a catch twenty two, it can go either way and you just hope you're on the right side of it. Talk about that wreck going into turn one. Uh, I got a couple of things I wanna talk to you about specifically about that three car crash. Um, you know, with, with, with the 53, the 14, 
and the 24. I guess, first of all, were you within eyesight of it when it all unfolded? Yeah, I think I was fifth or sixth at the time, and I saw him duking it out pretty hard, and I knew there was only a handful of laps at the time. I actually didn't know it was the white flag lap when they wrecked. But uh, I saw him go three wide. Uh, I think it was like center of three and four. I saw uh, Butcher kind of making the attempt for it. And then my vision was blocked on the front stretch because it's so flat. There's no banking, so you can't really see past the car in front of you. Yeah. And all I saw was Austin Mason's number 14 roof, like, facing towards me. And I'm like, I was just like, oh, no, this is not good. So I was trying to lock her down. And thankfully, we didn't get involved in it. But, yeah, that was a pretty wicked crash. You don't normally see a, a late model on a short track get uh, airborne like that. Well, and that was going to be my next question is uh, I had a group chat going over the weekend, and we all were like, oh, my God, we've never seen a late model do that before, um, ever. I've never seen a late model do that before. Rich, you have more experience with these cars than I do. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Uh, n- not on a template car, no. So, <laughs> yeah, so my question to you, Kyle, is is the aerodynamic technology getting so advanced now on these template-bodied late models that on, you know, this is what I said in the group chat, I said maybe anything a half mile or bigger, we maybe need to be looking at some of the NASCAR-instilled technology and some of our other divisions, uh, you know, kind of higher up the ladder in forms of roof flaps or, or undercarriage, you know, air distribution or something like that. What are your thoughts as a driver on that? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting take because it's kind of hard to see when you're watching on Racing America or a streaming service, places like Winchester, Nashville, and I mean, five flags for even that matter. Toledo, you're, you're is Toledo really did you fast. put Toledo into yeah. that category too? Yeah, Toledo definitely. So yeah, you're going really fast in a super late model. And you know, over the past decade that I've been involved with them, like they're, they're only getting faster and faster. So when you're getting turned around backwards at Nashville where you're doing probably a buck 40 uh it it was surprising to see but when you when you think about it it's not too surprising so I don't know maybe that that is a certain step in a direction that we need to go just to keep safety at the forefront Kyle I got to talk to you about a part of the race probably that wasn't I thought it was some of your best driving but I'm sure you weren't very happy so Johnny brings you down for your last pit stop around lap 50. I was in your pit when you pulled down and they, they put a couple tires on it and sent you back off. And I looked at Johnny, I said, is he done for the night? He goes, yep. He's not coming back to see me. And that thing was a lead sled the rest of the way. That was some of the best blocking I'd ever seen. I thought you were going to get run over. That car went so bad. (laughs) Yeah, so as I said, when, when we run about fourth and I was praying it'd go green, that was because we didn't have any tires left. So when when that caution came out, I kind of knew I was getting thrown to the wolves. And uh, yeah, that was probably some of the most defensive driving I've driven in a while. It wasn't like aggressively blocking, but I was definitely checking a lot of people up in the center and trying to make it so they couldn't have a run center off to get to my inside or to my outside. And uh they were definitely uh, getting a little tired of it. You can see with the back of my car, the left rear quarter panels all caved in, and I was getting picked up quite a bit. But uh, it, it made it a lot of fun, but it was very stressful. How do you do that strategically as a race car driver, especially at a place where Na- at Nashville where, you know, you block at Anderson or you block at, you know, Berlin maybe even, Birch Run, you know, you get wiggled up the hill, you scrape the wall, you'll probably keep going. Um, you get wiggled up the hill at Nashville, you're going to hit something hard. Uh, how do you do that? 
how do you how do you make that car wide and and not get wrecked strategically? Yeah, so it, it kind of just comes down with a lot of experience, uh, just being able to slow them up in the center, so that way they can't keep that momentum, so they're able to duck underneath you or to get to your right rear quarter panel. You just got to do it at a certain point in the corner to where it really stalls them out. So I throttle up just to take the forum. But, uh, yeah, just a, a lot of respect to the guys I was around. I knew I was around a lot of talent that wouldn't turn me around. So a, a lot of faith and just uh, just respect to the other guys that, that I knew they weren't going to absolutely tear me up. So, You know, I was going to say, Kyle, it wasn't that you didn't get wrecked. Your hands were full. You were getting wrecked. The caution just never came out every time it happened. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I did, it, it was just unbelievable. It was like every lap somebody else was just just pounding out. And you, it seemed like you were getting off four, not too bad, and you could get yourself a little bit of a gap. But then by the time you you know you, you were trying to get off turn two, they they would just close it all back in on you. Yeah, it was definitely a uh, it was it was a tough battle. I think. Uh, Everyone who got around me definitely had to move me to get around me, but uh, I definitely was, I was not giving it up easy. I wanted a uh, a top five down there. I wanted just to stay in contention in case anything crazy happened because uh, you know how the end of these crown jewels get, and this one was no different. So as long as you, you're able to stay up there at track position, you you always have a shot at one of these things. And and obviously you had the chance, like you know Zach went through the the the, the incident there at the end, but that gave you time on the red flag to kind of cool everything back down, cool those tires back down. And you only, you could run as hard as you wanted because you only had a couple laps to go at that point. Yeah, it was pretty depressing on the, on the final restart after the, the three cars wrecked, Nathan Butcher and Sawalich, because uh, I actually fired off really good behind Fenhouse, but uh, 81 at Geo, I'm not sure if he spun the tires or what, but uh, got way loose on that restart and door, door slamming pretty dang good and knocked the toe out of it so it really killed it for those last two laps i'd like to have just uh been a little closer in case anything happened but uh it is what it is end up with a podium finish uh you know down in the record books as rich said to start uh, you get a little help in post-race technical inspection so um that's pretty cool is that a career best for you in that race yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, because I, I only ran it one time before, which was last year. That's what I, I and, wondered. Uh, yeah. It, it was, yeah, it was looking like we were going to be top five, top six, I think, were the only cars on the lead lap, but uh, ended up getting wrecked. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you, I, I, I can't complain to the top three at the All-American 400. That's awesome you got to explain something to me though and and the the layman's fan uh and and i think we've talked about this before but so we just saw you a couple weeks ago in a red 131 um and that's usually the car that we see go to the crown jewel in the primary events and then you know the crosstown motorsports car we maybe see around here back home and uh you know maybe do a little bit of travel how does that work for you uh with those two teams and and really it sounds like maybe they have to work together and decide who gets to have kyle go run the big event with our car how does that all shake out for you because those are two separate teams right yeah so first and foremost the red 131 for stan and judy rose and they really gave me my break back in 2017 allowing me to step into a super and just be a part of all these big shows so uh yeah kind of dedicated to them so they get like the the midwest close to home big crown jewel races and then uh Crosstown's working with me and Stan and Judy Rosen. They uh, they want to get to that stage as well, and I definitely think they're taking the right approaches to uh, start running those big crown jewel races. So we'll see where that goes from there. 
but uh yeah just it's an awesome deal honestly just being able to be participating in all these races with some top tier equipment Kyle, when we were down there we talked a little bit about this brand new vrd diamond chassis uh there was only three of them two of them were in that race the other one's sitting back at the shop um i'm thinking you guys the way it ran obviously carson unbelievable two dollar and fifty cent problem he had that took him out but uh Tell me how that how those diamond chassis performed. I, I think you guys got to be pretty happy with them. It's a huge step in the right direction uh, uh, for VRD as a whole. Uh, we between Carson and I and Johnny and Butch Van Dorn and everyone at their shop put in a lot of time and dedication and uh, a lot of hours at the track testing to try to get us a little bit closer to uh, you know the 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 top tier teams and super late model racing, like the Wilson cars and stuff and uh, unloaded at Nashville really didn't change a lot. The baseline and the new front end geometry really works well. Uh, and I think it showed at the later portion of that race when the sun set, uh, just to be able to up with those really large teams, well-funded and they got everything that they need and the best of the best. So uh, definitely feel like the diamond chest is a huge step in the right direction. And I'm excited to see where it goes from there. Let's talk a minute. Uh, I went over to the meeting and the Stars National Series discussion. Um, kind of tell me where you fall in on this and how much information was relayed back to you on what's going on. I know, I know Bob Sargent didn't re- reveal a lot of information, um, but but still, he he, he just kind of put everything out there of where they want to be. And the only thing solid we know, we just don't know where, is he does have six races out of the ten on the books already locked in for 2023 does that interest you i haven't heard a whole ton about it other than what racing america had posted and stuff but uh kind of a funny side note uh blake Rowe and i we were going down to the 2020 snowball derby uh to help carson hosovar and on our way down there we were kind of talking about what's, what's happening to super late models because at this time i think cra was talking about getting sold and all this stuff and we had a really in-depth discussion about why isn't there like a national tour, like a, like a points fund that includes Redbud, Winchester, all American, the, the Derby, like why is there not a national tour? And uh, lo and behold, almost two years later, it, it's kind of coming together. So I think it's really cool. I think it's something that needs to be done. I'm not sure if, what they can do as far as like, broadcasting or, or getting it on a bigger stage. But I think that, that it's definitely a step in the right direction for super late models. I, I personally think they're gaining more traction, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes and what happens and uh, definitely feel like I'll be a part of it, whether it's with both teams or just one, I'm sure, but uh, definitely something very interesting that I'm keeping my eye on. A lot of people are saying that it's uh, supposed to be the replacement for the ASA series that dissolved in the early 2000s. You know, we're going on 20 years without ASA and uh, really without a national bridge, really, it feels like, from short track racing to the next tier. Um, you know, you kind of got to have that bridge to, to make that work with money and, you know, sponsors and, you know, learning how to work with PR and everything like that. So. That's kind of exciting for me, uh, you know, and, and, and from my perspective as a fan and as a media member, uh, what about you when you hear that, kind of comparing it to what it could be like an, a replacement for ASA, that sort of that sort of stage, right? That sort of professionalism and that sort of, 
I guess, pomp and circumstance around what's going on. Yeah, that that's exactly what I'm I'm hoping it'll be like. I I, I wasn't around for the ASA days, but I, everything I hear about it from the local tracks and Michigan and all the guys who used to run in it and stuff uh, definitely seems like it was a pretty awesome deal. So, uh, you know, I feel like fan engagement is growing in super late models as a whole. And I feel like being able to do this and possibly getting like more broadcasting rights or, or getting it more just social media presence because of this. And then, uh, I, I just feel like it could be really huge. And Kyle, I'm sure a hundred thousand dollar point fund or 15 to 20 grand for the winner. Every time, every time you roll it out of the box, doesn't interest you at all anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a pretty healthy uh, purse for uh, super late models, you know, because in super late models, it's really not that great uh, purse wise anywhere. Definitely when uh, you start hearing numbers like that thrown around, I feel like it's going to get a lot of attention. All right. Well, uh, you know, that's going to pretty much do it for us uh, tonight, Kyle. We could continue talking forever, as we always do at the racetrack when we get a chance to catch up with you. But uh, congratulations on such such a successful weekend uh, down in Nashville, minus the Sunday morning stuff. Uh, but we'll let you talk about that if you want to. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, you know, glad, glad you were able to make it home. And uh, uh, congratulations on such a great run. Are we looking at going south anytime soon uh, here before the snow flies or as the snow flies, loading up and heading down to any other big races? Uh, I got a call on that in about an hour. So uh, oh. we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll keep you updated on social media if anything's happening it's a it's up in the air right now but uh if everything works out it we might be heading down and i gotta tell you something cool zach uh we missed you this weekend down there but i'm i'm friday night i'm walking out and i'm getting ready to go to the bar because we got back late and i wanted to go get something to eat and maybe something to drink maybe and i and i hear rich rich this beautiful this this white car and i didn't know who it was i had to get clean leaned up in there and it was kyle so it was nice I could see that, that car before it got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> that poor thing. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for making time to chat with us. Congratulations on third place in the All-American 400. And, uh, well, I guess you're going to have our interest peaked into Wednesday morning if uh, maybe we get a chance to see you down south here coming up in a couple of weeks. So good luck with that. Hope things go well with that. And, uh, once again, congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks again, guys. It's always fun being on here. Well, always a pleasure to get a chance to catch up with Kyle and, um, you know, glad to hear that maybe, maybe we'll get to see him playing down south and snow, throw in some snowballs around uh, coming up in, in a couple of uh, couple of weeks here. So uh, that's pretty cool. Hey, Rich, we got some business to take care of from a couple of weeks ago, my friend. Yeah, so we're going to reveal the answers for Gary Did You Know, uh, quiz number 19, which was our October quiz, because we're going to have Gary back here in a couple weeks anyway yeah. for, for November and quiz number 20. So let's let's get through this. We've had a long, we're going to have a long night tonight. We still got to talk to Zane Duvald anyway. Um, what is number question number one? What is Conan Myers nickname? Had no clue. And I knew this because I my dad took me to races and he was he always seemed to be at the super late model races around the midwest his conan myers nickname was moose moose right. i think a lot of a lot of our listeners we're going to get that one right uh question number two i was there for this and it was fast uh <laughs> who turned the fastest lap ever 
at Toledo Speedway. Who? I did not know it either. Well, you kind of had to figure it was going to be a wing sprint car, right? Right. So I think I think some guys would have said Jimmy McCune, but uh, Brian Gerster turned the quickest lap ever at Toledo Speedway at a 12.09, Zach. Wow. 12. 12 seconds around that place. Wow. 12 second lap at Toledo. Unreal. And here's another one. Here's a funny one. I think I think uh, when we revealed this, when we when Gary was on, you said I knew one of these guys. Yeah. I knew one. Of... So the que- question number three: If I said the farmer saw the sneaky snake, but neither one could find the pink panther, who were the drivers and where were they racing? Yeah. So I had the pink panther with Don Taylor, uh, but after that, uh, I didn't know the other ones. Now I sent it to my dad, and he was able to get two thirds of it. He had Taylor. And he had the sneaky snake um, of uh, Joe Romeo, but we didn't get Farmer Budwit was the one that we had missed. Yep, yep. So. That's I wouldn't. I would. I, I may have gotten Don Taylor. I, I would have had to think about that a little bit just because I wasn't. You know, I don't have the Butler relationship right. like you did. But uh, I wouldn't have gotten the other two. Hands down, I wouldn't have gotten the other two. Yep. And and then this one here, and I I wouldn't have a have an idea either. What was Kenny Fry's question number four? What was Kenny Fry's favorite number? And that would have been twenty four. Yeah, I was out to lunch. On that I was one. I was done on that one. I like well, Gary, I like the quizzes where where I like the quizzes where Gary dangles one in front of me where he says, oh oh here's a little hint of one that you might be able to get. Those are my favorite. Come on, Don Taylor, I got it. Let's go. The Pink Panther. I love it. <laughs> Zach's feeling pumped now. It yeah. took him nineteen. It, it took him nineteen episodes <laughs> to get get a question right. <laughs> yeah, and I think I've gotten two that way where I've gotten like part of it correct. Uh, so I don't know, maybe over the next two or three seasons, I'll get a whole, a whole, you know, we take all my correct answers, put them together. I'll get a whole quiz. <laughs> yeah. You're on a roll now. <laughs> uh, Gary, did you know, look for it each month right here on horsepower happenings time for our second interview tonight. And it's our pleasure to welcome in this young driver out of Plymouth, Indiana. If you tried to decide what his car number was going to be, you'd have to roll a, like a 12 sided dice and change it every month uh, because this cat will drive anything for anybody at any time. Uh, it's our pleasure to welcome in Plymouth, Indiana, Zane DeValtz. Good evening, Zane. Welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having me. I'm always uh, happy to be on here. Man, it's uh, always fun to watch you. You're you're one of the wild – I'm going to call you like the modern-day wild child because you'll get behind the race car of anything. Anybody owns it. Anybody's wrenching on it. And you're going to go out there and put it to the wood. And uh, you did that. You had an opportunity to uh, p- partner up with Lane Racing after, uh, you know, they go separate ways with Cap Henry. And, uh, you know, when that happens at the end of the year, that kind of – puts in a, to a small silly season where you see a couple of different drivers uh, beh- behind the wheel of that race car. How did this come together for you to get a chance to drive that race car? Oh, you know, me and Brett just, uh, we're, we're good buddies. We talk here and there and uh, just happened to be that we kind of crossed paths again um, while his, his deal was going down. Um, and we talked a little bit at Eldora when he had Cy Lynch in the car Talked a little more at uh, Fremont when we had Chris Andrews in the car. So uh, we just started talking, and uh, we kind of – I mentioned something about Atomic, and he kind of was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So, uh, yeah, the rest is history. 
Talk to me about Atomic. Uh, so, you know, again, it's no, it's nothing for you to start working with a different team. Uh, so that part of the equation I'm not really even worried about. But this racetrack, you know, some four and a half hours away from where we like to spend our, our, our weekends up here, kind of around the Mitten State. Um, and this racetrack has kind of gone through some changes over the years with some banking and a new wall and, and just some changes. Uh, talk to me about this racetrack. Why was this the one that you said, I want to make my lane racing, you know, staple or make my mark here um, and take a chance take take a chance with this race team down there. Why at Atomic? There was option, uh, you know, being so late in the year, no one else was really running. Uh, it's either drive to Pennsylvania or drive to drive to Atomic. So it was the closest racetrack, but uh, I feel like it also kind of fits my driving style. So I was kind of excited about it. Um, always kind of wanted to go there. So, and this yeah, was, was I, this the second time you guys had went there together? Yeah, we actually, we went, uh, I've never been there. We went the weekend before, um, and then we went this weekend also. And, uh, the reason we're bringing you on is because of course you parked it in victory lane from outside of row number two. And, uh, uh, that's, that's impressive, man, to, to go down there second time ever seeing that racetrack and go to victory lane. Yeah, it's, uh. It's definitely definitely something different, you know. It's got a, a lot of banking. It's, it's like a mini old Eldora back when it had the progressive banking. So it's pretty pretty awesome to run the fence. Zane, it's it had to been raise your confidence level a lot. You're jumping in a car that ran pretty much the full All Star Circuit of Champions uh, series, and, and were competitive just about everywhere they went. Um, you had to been really comfortable before you ever put your butt in that race car. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you know, obviously they had had Cap and Zach uh, leave the deal, but you know, Brett and, and AJ are, are really good at at what they do, and um, you know, they do it what fifty seven times a year. So obviously they're they they know their way around a race car, and uh, Robinson ended up coming down and helping us out a little bit too, and gave us an extra hand. And uh, Brett's dad was there, so. It uh, it was definitely a team effort. Uh, they didn't give up. We actually struggled this last Saturday uh, with a few hiccups in the car and everything, but they uh, had their faith in me, and uh, I had my faith in them, and it all worked out. I would have liked to be a bug on the wing of that four machine holding that $3,000 check and you looking over saying, how you like me now? Um, <laughs> did any conversations take place after that? Uh, no, not really. Um, we were, we were joking around saying that, you know, the weekend before it just had a lane racing on the car and we, uh, everyone was kind of giving Brett a little bit of crap that, that it didn't have, uh, Blake's on the car, but we went ahead and did that, put, changed the bodies and had Blake's on it. So it was a pretty good deal, you know, to get the Blake's, Blake's hard tighter car back in victory lane, uh, you know, with Spanky's on the wing and everything. So uh yeah it was a pretty good deal um i can't thank patty and brett enough man i mean what an opportunity you know well i'm going to be the one to ask it then because some people are asking it already on social media is this an end of the year fling or are we maybe looking at uh, a new a new partnership for you moving forward um I, i think think we've talked at lengths about it but not really about me and the car uh, a ton uh just kind of just talking about plans and everything for next year um nothing's really in the work but um 
you know, I've had a lot of, a lot of other people interested, um, got some calls and everything. So it's nice to, uh, finally get in a car like that. You know, it, it helps, helps get people to notice you. And especially after a win like that, you know, you know, no win. I think at atomic is just a fluke, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a definitely, definitely a hard, hard racetrack to run and good competition that place is tough to race and so let's talk about your season a little bit in events that are charted on my race pass you've ran 30 two wins including the one that we just talked about uh down at atomic and uh then uh 10 top five finishes 14 top tens um pretty solid season for you here in 2022 and you know just again kind of bouncing around racing wherever whenever however you want to glss 410 sprint cars all-star circuit of champions uh you know ohio heating 410s whatever's going on you're there and you're competitive man yeah i mean i feel like i've had a decent year um you know was in the 14h um worked with steve and sean in that deal and blaine was helping russ was helping so you know we had a decent year did uh did a little bit of traveling you know uh went to illinois for a for a malice slash ira race um at fairbury uh which that was pretty cool we did pretty good 18th to third there um and then i towards the end of the year i jumped in the 16b for terry bushy um sean uh came over with his shocks with his momentum shocks um tuned me up with that um so i mean you know i can't i can't thank sean sean robinson enough man i mean wherever i've been he's he's uh he's been there to help you know really not even there to help just just moral support you know we've we've grew a pretty good relationship so i mean i can't thank uh terry uh and, and steve enough and and patty and and brett you know for for letting me do my thing this year and uh show what i've got and kind of kind of have have uh, a, a, a weird season you know usually people think you need one ride and and one ride only and to have a great season but i was fortunate enough that i could jump in jump in their good equipment and and have good runs because you did some stuff in your own car too right that seven car is that yours because that's the one the one that you haven't yeah. talked about yeah yeah i uh i did two races and that stuff and both of them didn't go as planned but yeah, yeah, I mean, you could say that. It's all right. Yeah. So you, you know, Zach was talking to you. You've had some conversations, but you know, I like pushing the buttons. I guess if you were looking your crystal ball, would you say twenty twenty three is probably going to be more like this year? Are you going to have a bunch of Christmas presents to buy, or just one? Are you hoping? <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> man, I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, it, obviously, like I said, man, it's it's been two weeks with them. Um, obviously, you know, he's, he's kind of unwinding his season, just trying to get his bearings back after, after a tough season, you know, the all-stars ain't, ain't no easy task. So, you know, I think right now it's kind of breather for, for him, you know, probably seeing his family, hanging out with his family. He hasn't seen him very much this year. Um, you know, Steve Harding had surgery on his shoulder. So, I mean, I think, I think everything right now, uh, is kind of in limbo. Um, been talking at length uh, uh, to different people about different things. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing, nothing close to setting in stone. So yeah. 
And you kind of have you kind of have to be taking care of yourself. I mean, everybody says it's nice to end the season and take some time off, but you don't want to be the last guy without the chair when they start playing musical seats, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's uh for me there's no time off, man. I I would be 100% fine with with racing 24/7 and having no time off. Um so I I'm not not the type of person that wants wants to relax and have a vacation. My vacation is going to the racetrack. Because remember, this is the kid we talked to last year when he was headed down to the Snowball Derby to run some off-the-wall pavement car uh, and, and got done testing because they smoked 17, you know, Hoosier racing tires off the right rear of that car trying to get ready for it, you know. You will race anything, and I think that's the cool thing about you, Zane, is if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you want to run a go-kart at, uh, you know, the, the indoor race? Yeah, you'll probably do it. You want to run a sprint car down at uh, Atomic? You're going to do it. Uh, want to run a pavement car down at Five Flags? You'll do it, and uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Cool that uh, you're so willing to to just grab the gear bag and go race. Yeah, actually, uh, they they started a go kart track around around my hometown, and uh, my dad bought a bunch of go karts, so me and my brother and him could all go race. So I actually won a go kart race a couple weekends ago there. So that that's pretty <laughs> funny that you say that. You know, he was he was joking. He's like, you know, they're gonna say you got two wins. You've actually got three on the year. So so that's cool. You know. Uh, it's it's fun though. I guess I guess that is my relaxation time, if you want to say, where I'm unwinding. You know, I go there, and, and you know, obviously, you get there and you're you're all it's all for fun and everything. But man, I mean, you put a helmet on. Obviously, I'm I'm very competitive. I mean, about anything in life, uh, racing, anything. I mean, I'm just it's uh it's definitely in my family too. You know, we were all. We all put five bet five bucks in and uh, was betting against each other. So I was the one that came out on top. So it's uh, definitely still bragging rights because I haven't been back since because I've been racing. But uh, but yeah, I got to talk about you know you talk about the racetrack and being so calm and relaxing. But I do want to talk about uh, a couple of things. You mentioned those two times behind the wheel in that seven car, um, and you know it's kind of funny how. Race car drivers, you know, I think about Steve Irwin. He's got a couple of drivers that um, he would rather not race around, but they always get drawn to one another. Um, you know, there's a couple other people on the late model side. I think about Chad Finley, and there's some guys out on the racetrack. He'd rather not race around in Rich France. What always happens? They end up racing around each other. And, um, you know, this year it was kind of funny for you, Zane. You know, you and Jared Horseman couldn't stay away from each other, and it kind of all boiled over to a head at Hartford with that big wreck that went into turn three. Um, is that is that a product of a little bit of a rivalry that's forming there, or is that just hard racing between two guys who really want to go out there and win? I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, you you got to realize you're 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 flying at Hartford. Um, you know, we've had other run-ins and everything, but we've kind of always got by and and, and passed the things in the past, but. Um, I don't know, man. It was just hard race, and uh, you know, we banged wheels a couple times earlier than in the night. So, um, I and think like I said, it's just funny, right? It, 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 it's always you guys seem to be pulled to each other like magnets. If you guys are a racetrack together, you guys end up racing around yeah. each other. Yeah, actually, that night, you know, right after, uh, well, what was it? Two years ago, when the first incident finally happened we go to the next racetrack the next weekend 
and I start beside him uh, in the heat race and the feature. So, you know, it is weird how that the, the things happen like that with that. But uh, well, I got to tell yeah, you, too, you, know, uh, you know, the the hits that you took, too, at Hartford, that wreck, uh, for those who didn't see it, right, you guys made some contact down the backstretch, kind of knocked the front suspension off of your car, and the the hit that you took over there in turns three and four, I mean, you're already a little wild, uh, but how, I, I don't know how that didn't, at least at a minimum, ring your bell. That was one of the most wild crashes I've ever seen at Hartford Speedway. What was it like for you? Oh, it, it was definitely a hard one. Um, I mean, it, it, it definitely definitely knocked the wind out of me, but, you know, luckily I've got I got Simpson behind me with my helmets and and uh, my harnesses and everything, and everything worked as it should, and, uh, you know, that it, thing that the car, um, everything, all the safety equipment, the car, it all crumbled the way it should have. It, uh, yeah, I think it did a good job, and it kept me safe, so I was de- definitely fortunate for that. And then, of course, uh, you talk about the safety equipment, man, a scary, uh, scary another moment at Hartford, uh, which I think – for race car drivers, that second incident might be more scary than taking a hard hit. Uh, caution flag, actually a, a red flag was coming out, and your car all of a sudden coming off a of turn four burst into flames. Uh, it, you know, for me, when I was driving, that was always my worst fear was fire, and uh, I, I think that probably is the same for a lot of race car drivers. What happened? <clears throat> excuse me, what happened there? You were leading that race. Race car looked good, and then all of a sudden a big problem out of four. Yeah, man, uh, we were we were killing it that night. We had Terry Bushy's car on uh, on rails, man, and uh, me and Sean hard on uh, on getting his shock package back on that deal um, with the momentums. And uh, man, we were we finally clicked something with that car, and, and was was I think I, I want to say we were like a quarter lap ahead. I, and, I, uh, I, I pretty much had you wrote down in the wind column. I'm gonna tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so you know, I mean, I. I was feeling good, um, and then a uh, fuel line came loose um, and just split up. So, uh, yeah, I was definitely thankful for the K, you know K one suit on that. You know, it, it uh, did its job. Uh, the safety crew did its job. Um, you know, it's pretty scary. As you know, I get it to stop and I jump out and uh, I turn around and there's there are three wide coming at me and everyone's like, why didn't you stop dropping a roll? You know, that's, you know, you get taught that from kindergarten and I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel like I can, I can withstand a burn. I don't know if I can withstand a, a sprint car hit me at hundred mile an hour. So that is a great you know, point too, because a lot of people said something to me. They're like, did that kid never get taught to stop, drop and roll? And I said, I don't yeah. know. I've never been on fire. I don't know how I'd respond, but yeah, you're right. If they were barreling at me three wide out of four, I probably wouldn't just stop right there either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, on the video, that's everyone's, you know, Oh man, you like look back and you take off running. I'm like, well, yeah, man, they're, they're, they're bearing down on me flying. So, uh, I just went running, but, but yeah, luckily it, uh, it, uh, went out before I even got into the field to where the safety crew could even get to me. But, uh, they made sure, checked me out, made sure I was okay and everything, and they did a good job putting the fire out on the car. So, yeah, it was a, it was a bummer for sure for, for Terry Bushy, the whole team. Um, but, the, you know, he's, he was just thankful that I was okay. Zane, I know it's been a long season, and like Zach said, sometimes it 
certain racetracks we got to wait till you pull the helmet off to see if you're driving a race car which car which car you're driving each night but uh there's a lot of people that helped you get through the whole summer and now's your chance to give them all a shout out yeah man i gotta thank nefco with uh steve harding um you know blake's hard cider spanky's all the guys all the people whistle stop all the people on their car man um they they wouldn't be able to keep racing after the all-star deal you know and and give me an opportunity i probably wouldn't be talking to you guys right now uh if i wouldn't have won that race so gotta thank all them and uh you know my dad my mom and dad you know they they try to make it to a lot of the races um you know i'm fortunate for for warren dalrymple uh, i worked for him through his company he he allows me to get off work uh you know anytime if i called him right now and said hey someone just gave me a ride for Charlotte tomorrow. Um, I'm pretty sure he'd pack a bag with me and we'd be going to North Carolina. So, you know, I can't thank him enough for, for, you know, he, he believed in me too. Uh, at the beginning, he was the one that originally bought the seven stuff, um, and kind of got this thing going. You know, my dad obviously was the first one to really make the big leap, but then, uh, Warren helped me out on the way and, and Terry. And I mean, there's a lot of people, man, that have got me to where I am today that, you know, I'm probably missing a lot of them, but um, I just can't thank all of them enough. You know, it's the dream come true to be able to, to race race at the level I guess I'm hoping to be, um, but that, that I also got the opportunity to race at a car that is racing the all-star tour, you know. So I just can't thank all of them enough, um, you know, Duff's Bar and Grill and everything. And uh, so it's uh, it's definitely – definitely been a year and uh but it, i'm definitely looking forward to next year well and you kind of did it and i was going to ask you to take a second reflect because i can remember the first time that i ever called zane devault's name and uh you know zane devault was a back marker at butler in a in a wild looking number 77 car and to go from that to like you just said running with uh you know you're running equipment that ran with the all-star circuit of champions you're winning races at atomic speedway uh, you're getting calls from multiple car owners that want you in their equipment. And, you know, that's been, you know, a short stint of less than 10 years. Um, that's got to be, you got to be proud of yourself to take a second and say, man, I, I, I know I can drive these race cars and now other people are seeing it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's pretty funny, you know, you know, haulers don't mean nothing, right? You know, they just get you to the racetrack and, uh, but it, it's pretty wild. You know, I was talking to my dad and I said, you know, dude, we, the first time we raced, we pulled in with a tilt deck open trailer for a regular car, um, and a few spares and a jack in the back of the truck. And, uh, you know, the last two weekends I pulled in with a, with a, you know, all-star, uh, 53 foot truck and trailer with a semi, you know, yeah. so it, it's definitely, you know, we went from getting used parts at the swap meet to, to, you know, Smith titanium stuff, um, you know, some, some top brands that, you know, that, that are really good, good cars, um, good parts. Um, you know, Tim Norman makes an excellent amount of, of products that, that, uh, I'm fortunate to be able to be friends with him and, and he helps me out when he can you know, on my stuff and other, other cars that I drive also. So, you know, I, I've, uh, over the years, I've made a lot of friends, learned a lot, but uh, been been fortunate to have a couple opportunities that uh, each year that that really make the year you know great. Um, 
you know, not that I didn't have a great year before that, but then it just, just puts the icing on the cake, you know? Well, congratulations on three, count them, technically three wins here in 2022. Uh, two in the big car, one in the go-kart. Uh, but, uh, man, congratulations. Looking forward to seeing what 2023 has in store for you. Uh, I, I think you take the opposite of what, what Rich France said. I think you go out and you buy a whole stack of Christmas cards and send them to everybody and uh, see who sends one back with a contract. <laughs> yes, that sounds like a great idea. All right, Zane, man, congratulations, and uh, good luck next year. We'll uh, be looking forward to seeing and hearing where you land. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, always a pleasure to catch up with Zane. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned it a couple of times, that kid, he he's a nice guy, but you better be ready to go when you get ready to shake his hand in the pits because he is <clears throat> the, the calmest I've ever heard him are on these interviews. He goes 100 mile an hour, whether it's on the racetrack or talking to you in the pits. Uh, but what a cool cat. And uh, pretty cool to see what he did with, with lane racing. And, um, you know, to his credit, he can hop in a race car for anybody and make it go fast. Yeah, and, and that just shows you how important those cars are because if you have a little bit off, you know, uh, and you're not in the right car, it, those things can make you look silly like you don't know what you're doing, you know, but you put him in, you put that young man in a good race car, and I firmly believe this, Zach, just like in that, you know, just like in that lane racing number four machine, you put him in a car that's that good, he can win anywhere he goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, upcoming calendar, not a whole lot happening. We missed the uh, Monster Mash last weekend at Montpelier when we uh, were talking about the upcoming calendar. And uh, the, so that's uh, our bad on that. Uh, but it was Dylan Newsbaum who went to Victory Lane in the uh, Dirt Car UMP Modified Division down there. Uh, so congratulations to him on, on a good run. Up and coming in our area, you, I mean, what do you got to wait on? Uh, Fort Wayne, Rumble in Fort Wayne, December 30th and 31st. Is that what's next? Yeah, probably right. Anything up here? Um, I, I I did a nice. I was smart. I did a bunch of networking down in Nashville, so I might be making a trip here in about four weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm the, ho I'm hoping to make a similar trip in about four weeks as well. So yeah. We so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, sometimes when you you know buy a couple cold ones maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe that maybe that gets you a second racing america appearance we'll see well we gotta, and, we gotta and, see what's going on and hopefully too we'll get to hear about some of our area drivers that might go down there as well and uh, we can all have a little snowball fight down there too so hey that's going to do it for our program tonight it was a long one but thanks so much to kyle crump and zane devault for joining us on the program uh rich good job by you down at uh, nashville as always uh good good job roman pit road and uh, thanks for your help getting this put together for scott Mayland, who pays the bills rich france who does everything else I'm Zach Heiser, the guy who runs his mouth. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place. Actually, back to Monday nights, why don't we, here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.